The message today is, um, is has-beens and wannabes. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now that was present tense. He said, right now, I am what I am by the grace of God. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, he said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, he quoted Paul, I am what I am. So he's talking about present tense, a direct quote from Paul. 1 Corinthians is all about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that resurrection every Sunday morning because that's the first day of the week. That's when Jesus was raised from the dead. So we celebrate this every Sunday morning. And so without the resurrection of Jesus, we would have no hope. We would have no justification. We'd, have no, we'd just have a bunch of sorrow down here. But because Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, you know, we have hope and we have, we have a promise that we're going to receive from him eternal life. Paul said in this verse, he says, I am what I am by the grace of, that's present tense reality. But in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he took a quick look at his past saying about that, I am the least, because he's a has-been. Paul is a has-been right here. I am the least of all the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle, apostle because I pers- persecuted the church of God. So Paul is the one that, mem- you remember, he gave consent <clears throat> and approval for the stoning of Stephen. Whilst they were stoning Stephen, they were, he was holding their coats, and so he gave a consent to that. And, you know, again, he was one of those religious zealots. I mean, he was just hard-nosed religious. And a zealot is someone who forgets his purpose and he redoubles the effort. And that's what he did. He just tried to redouble the effort on killing the Christians. And so, but he says in another one, another place, he says in Philippians 3.13, he said, I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't made it yet. I haven't acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. You, anybody there? Nobody's achieved that yet. So we're, we can identify with him saying this. He says, I'm not even depending on my own strength to accomplish the purpose and the passion that I have for Jesus. And again, you and I, we've got to, we've got to develop this purpose and this passion and really serve him wholeheartedly. And again, this is where he said, but I haven't arrived. He goes on to say, but this one thing I do. What's the one thing he does? He forgets those things which are behind, the, the has-beens. He forgets those, my past, and I pressed for the mark, for the prize of the hockey, looking forward to and reaching toward my future, toward wannabe. Again, my sins, my addictions, my faults, faults, flaws, and failures, my accomplishments even, I'm not even going to enumerate those because I know that I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not who I want to be. And I think we can all find ourselves in that category. So I'm reaching toward my future. That's what I want to be. I want to be like Jesus. Amen? Everybody wants to be like Jesus, right? He's, my, he's our hero. So he says, I press for the mark and that is, I looked up the word, what is he pressing for? What mark are you talking about? Is it the mark of the beast? No, he's talking about the mark of the high calling. He's talking about the end goal 
of serving God, the end goal of, of reaching for Christ, of becoming like him. And so we, we're not who we used to be. We're not sin, saint, uh, uh, sinners, but we are now, as a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, starts out by saying we are to the saints who are at Corinth. If you know anything about the city of Corinth, you know that that was a city filled with debauchery. It was a city that was absolutely, I mean, it was known for its, all of its immorality and sin. But, you know, he says, but God raised up a church right there in the midst. Of, and he said, now I'm writing this letter to those at Corinth, and they're called saints. No longer has been sinners, but they've been called saints. And so this is why you and I, we've got to reach for the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Paul has been like us all. We've been alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We've been separated from the love of God. We have been dead in our trespasses and sin. And that has been my has-beens. That's been your has-beens in our life. So we've got we've to forget those things behind and press for the mark for the prize of the high calling. Because this isn't over yet. You know, so he says, um, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not attained what I want to be. But I still want to be like him. Amen. Now, he showed, now he's, he talked about his present. I am what I am by the grace of God. Talked about his past. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. But he also says now his future. He says, behold, in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. And this would be his future. This would be his future. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die, in other words. But we all shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. This is, we're going to have, we're, this, we're, this, he says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. And then we'll be swallowed up to death in that saying, oh, death, where is your sting and grave? Where is your victory? So you and I, we've got to recognize we're not who we used to be, but we're not who we want to be yet. But when we see it with Paul, that mystery, when we all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that change that's going to take place? That's going to be the greatest change in, the, in all of history. Whenever we, this mortal puts on immortality and this corruptible puts on incorruption, and then we're going to be swallowed. Death, where is your victory? And grave, where is your sting? There isn't any because we are like Jesus now. And we shall be changed for we will be like him. For it says, for we will see him as he is. All of us has had a past. All of us have had a gap that we call the present tense realities. And, and then this is where Paul was. I am, I'm, I am what I am by the grace of God. And all of us will move into our future. Our eternal destination, heaven or hell, we're going to move into that. You know, our life is like a gilded book called the Bible. Can you all see the gold on that? You know, and you can see, and this is, our life is just like this book. You know, we're writing a book a, a day at a time, but if you look at one page, it's kind of hard to see the, the gold gilding on this Bible. But you know, a chapter at a time, a page at a time folds into chapters, and before long, you've got a book. And yet this, this gold gilding here is, is like the grace of God. You can't see the grace of God in your life just maybe a day at a time or a week at a time even. But whenever you put months together, you can look back and you can see God's grace on your life every day. And this is what Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And so this is why whenever you look at your one page at a time, 
You may see a has-been, but whenever you begin to see this tapestry of grace, I did a message on the tapestry of grace, and it was like that. This, this, the artist was doing this, he was making a tapestry, and this was, on the front side, it's beautiful, but on the back side of this tapestry is a muted mess. And this is why we look at ourselves, sometimes we look at our lives as a muted mess, But God says, I am doing a wonderful masterpiece in your life called grace. And this is how this book called grace of our life, it's day at a time, you can't tell much about it. But a week, a month, and a year, and even a decade, you can look back and say, man, God, you were with me halfway through my life. You were with me all the way through my life, or three quarters of the way. And he will be with you all the way until the end. You know, the signature of God's grace is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 28. And you all know this one. For we know, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the, who are the called according to his purpose. And this indicates or signifies that everything is going to be all right in our life. You know, because he's weaving a tapestry of grace. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is making a masterpiece of your life. And when you get up, and we're all going to have these, have the grace, our lives are going to be surrounded by grace, and this tapestry is going to be hanging in the Heroes Hall of Fame. And so I really believe that as we go through, we need to recognize where we are, where we've been. We're not where we used to be, but we're growing and we're becoming like Him. And one of these days, we're going we're gonna to be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Amen? So he says, you're going to make it, not because every, anything that you've done, but because everything that Jesus has done, we are all a has-been, and we all want to be like him, and he is our hero. Jesus is my hero. And I'll, I'll get back to that a little bit later on. <clears throat> but not only do all things work together synergetically for good, that God has ordained the fact that you're going to make it. But you know, the last few weeks of my sister's life, we were sitting at, uh, around the, the hospice unit there, and uh, my sister was filled with vacillation on whether she was going to make it or whether she wasn't. And we tried to instill hope in her, and, and because she had been focused so much on her has-beens, on the flaw, faults, the flaws, and the failures of the past, and she, she, she was just focused on that rather than focused on who she wanted to be. And Jesus, her hero. And so, because he was, uh, I guess the thing that we were playing this music as she was, went unconscious, she could hear what was going on. But thank you, God, for everything. You know, we give thanks for God for everything we have been, everything we have done. We give thanks, not for all the bad, but for the good things that he's caused us to do. But who are we are going to become? And we know that all things do work together for good, for those that are called according to his purpose. Now, I'm going to read verse 29, and this is why I, and I, I wanted to so read this to her. I'm, I was looking back on it. I wish I had this in the, in the uh, message version of Romans chapter 8, 29 through 34. It says this, that's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is working something good for us. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines 
as the life of his son. And the son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and the intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling his people by name. He knows your name. And he called them after, and he called them by name, and he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Wow. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God doesn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our conditions and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly freely do for us? Wow. I mean, God says, I'm taking all your past and I'm weaving it into your present. And I'm going to take all the past and the present and I'm going to weave that into your glorious future. You know, the Bible says in the King James Version in Romans chapter 8, we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. And there's no comparison with, between what the present hard times that we may be going through and the coming good times. No comparison whatsoever. All around us seems to be a pregnant creation groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. And that would be you and I. And whenever we become fully clothed in his, in his beauty, and that's really what the word grace is. It's really, it's just filled with beauty. And right now, even I can look on your lives, I can look on every one of your lives and see beauty in every one of you. You guys are a beautiful congregation, but I do know that you all have had a past. You've been a has-been, but you're also going to be a wannabe and going to be, Amen. Now, the Passion Version for Romans 8, 27 through 30, let me read that one. He says, God, the one who searches the heart, understands the desire of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His Holy Ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, that tapestry of grace I was, I was talking about, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all things about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning, that's called predestination, to share in the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. That's called, that's predestined. We are predestined to be like Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We all got different personalities, but we all are predestined to have that character of Christ flowing in our lives. Now he says, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. He said, well, pastor, I don't feel righteous. Well, I don't care what you feel like. He said he's already predestined you to, to be, have his righteousness conferred to your life. And it's by faith that we receive his righteousness. It's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's according to his mercy he has saved us. So we've got to get ourselves in a position and alignment with what the word of God says about us. So having predestined, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. 
And those who possess this perfect righteousness, he, I love this, he co-glorified with his son. God glorified us with his son, Jesus. Man, but do you see yourself, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a has-been, all those faults and flaws and failures of the past? Or do you see yourself as this Romans 8, 27? Everything's going to be all right, amen? So God takes all of our past experiences, our has-beens, and then we accept Jesus as our Savior. And then he integrates all of that has-been to make us wannabes like Jesus. Don't you want to be like him? You know, Jesus is our example. He is our pattern. He, he really is my hero. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only hero that never had a fault, a flaw, or a failure. He's the only one. Christ, the Son of God, became the Son of Man so that we might become sons of God, co-glorified with him. Isn't that good news? You don't have to have, you said, well, Pastor, do I still have a sin nature? You might have. You can choose to sin if you want to, but you don't have to. But if you do, the Holy Spirit will bring about a conviction, and, if you convic- and then you confess your sins, and then he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, because we have a righteous nature already been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ himself. In John 1, 1, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I'll be talking about this next Sunday. I'm going to be talking about hearing the invisible. Hearing the invisible. That's going to be an interesting message. But um, he laid aside the deity. He laid aside, I mean, the glory. And he became human. Christ came in the flesh so that we, to as many, the word became flesh and dwelt, verse 14, and dwelt among us. And to as many... um, and we beheld the glory as of the only begotten Father. Look at this, full of grace and truth. He's not full of punishment. God doesn't want to punish your sins. He punished all your sins on the cross of Calvary when Jesus was crucified. Every sin, you, past, present, future sins. He died for every sin of all people. That's why he says for You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. So this is why you and I, we've got to begin to look at our lives as who we're becoming, as our wannabes. Amen? We all have had heroes of the past. My music heroes were Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis. And uh, I really like Karen Carpenter, but I couldn't be a lady like her. But, but she, you know, all these people had faults and flaws. I remember when I heard we were going to a conference and, and I heard that Elvis Presley had died. Now, here, he was just a, a vocal hero. You know, he had, he had uh, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, you know, and he's crying in the chapel. Remember those songs? You, some of you young ones don't know those, but I, do, I remember those. And, um, but movie heroes, today I still like to watch John Wayne. 
because he, he's a hero, you know, he, he, he's, he always turns out on the good side. Now, he's not always a good person. It reveals his faults and his flaws and his, and his character deficiencies. But you know what? These are the heroes that, we had, that I had growing up. And there were people in our community that I remember that we had as heroes. One of them was, was the mayor, John Ditto. And John Ditto, uh, he, was a, he was a very disciplinarian. And his son, Joel, was, he and I, Joel and I were the best of friends and going through uh, grade school and high school together. And we got into high school and Joel played the trumpet, but he also took piano lessons every day. And I remember uh, I'd, I'd sit down there, I'd go down to visit Joel and, and be, I'd punk around the piano and he said, Joel, why is it that he can play like that and you have to practice one hour a day every day? Now I had no answer for that. But Joel said, I don't know. But you know, but John was a hero. He was a father figure to me in growing up. I had other coaches. Sam Wiggins was another co- uh, coach. And um, well, my, uh, one other movie hero, that I really liked Audie Murphy. And so he was like a hero. But all these guys, I don't care who they are, they had their faults and their flaws and their failures. And Bill Wright was another one from Donovan that I really loved. Bill was, he was the scorekeeper and he attended every game that a ball I ever played. He was there and he was always so polite and so kind. And so I don't care if we lost by a a large margin, he would all say, great job. I mean, he was always building you up. I don't care what you've done. So that's, that's, that's the, my heroes. And then after I got saved, about 10 or 15 years after, I began to develop heroes of the faith, of the Bible. And they got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, they all had, uh, had a human nature. David and Elijah. David committed adultery. Elijah, you know, he was a man subject to like passion. I'll deal with him in just a second. But then there's Christian heroes of the faith that I begin to, to read about. Charles Finney, you know, John Wesley, John G. Lake, Watchman Nee. F.B. Meyer, um, Oral Roberts, Lester Summerall, some of the latest ones. And all of those who were has-beens, they became wannabes. But I just want you to know, whenever you go to look into their lives a little closer, then you're going to be seeing some faults and flaws and failures in their lives. Some of them had some big ones. Some of them, but you know what? All those has-beens became wannabes. And the problem with heroes is they haven't achieved what they want to be yet. They still have these deficiencies. You know, Elijah was a man, the Bible says, you know, he was, the reason I liked him, I mean, he was, he was just all powerful. He called fire down from heaven and he killed the 450 prophets of Baal and he raised people from the dead. But James gives us another perception of, of, of Elijah. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, yet, and he called, he prayed that it didn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't rain, and then he prayed for rain, and it did rain. And, you know, he also had some personality flaws. You know, he, you know, he wanted, he crawled under a broom tree and wanted to die one time. God, just take my life. And he's filled with despondency and depression, and he, he was a man like we are. And yet, you know what? He still did great exploits because he, he began to focus on not what he used to be, but who he was going to become like. And it was like God. So he was even fearful of Jezebel. He took on, he, you know, he, he ran for his life after he'd killed the prophets of Baal. And you know, you said, Pastor, what do you think about it? It just makes me love these guys even more because they were just like us, just like us. 
had the faults, flaws, and failures, and yet they did exploits. And yet they developed the wannabes in their life. They developed a hero. And really, um, please understand that Jesus is our only true hero who never had a sin, who never had a... He bore all of our sins, and he was the most sinful man at one point in time hanging on the tree, not for anything that he did, but for everything that we have done. And he was hung up for our hang-ups, and not only that, but he was crucified for every sin that we've ever committed. So this is why you are the righteousness of God in Christ. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are walking in Christ Jesus. And because he is our hero, amen? There was a song by the name of Hero by Stephen Taylor written, I think it was in the 80s. And let me just read this. Follow me closely because this, this, is, a, this is a, it's a hard one to get a hold of sometimes. I read it three or four times before I finally got the full grasp of its meaning. So when the house fell asleep, there was always a light. And it fell from the pages to the eyes of an American boy. In a storybook land, I could dream what I read. When it went to my head, I'd see, I want to be a hero. But the practical side said the question was still, when you grow up, what will you be? I want to be a hero. A hero. It's a nice boy notion that the real world's going to destroy, you know. It's a Marvel comic book, Saturday matinee fairy tale. Boy growing older, you'll find... The illusions are bought. The idol you thought you'd be was just another zero. I want to be a hero. Heroes died when the squealers bought them off. Died when the dealers got them off. Welcome to the in it for the money as an idol show when they ain't as, when they ain't as big as life, when they ditch their second wife. Where's the boy to go? Got to be a hero, a hero. It's a nice boy notion that the real world's going to destroy, you know. It's a Marvel comic book, Saturday matinee, fairy tale boy. When the house fell asleep, now here we go, here comes Jesus on the scene. When the house fell asleep, from a book I was led and said to a light that I never knew, born again, I want to be your hero. And he spoke to my heart from the moment I prayed Here's a pattern I made for you. I want to be your hero. That's Jesus. He wants to be your hero. <laughs> be like him. I mean, he's had a, he had a different philosophy. You know, he said, you bless those that curse you. You do good to those who despitefully use you. You know, he, he just had a different way of relating to people in life. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For this is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the mournful because they will be comforted. You know, Jesus just had a different way of looking at life. And so you and I need to take on his characteristics and take on his pattern that he made. Just like this boy. He says, from the moment I prayed, here's a pattern I made for you. I want to be your hero. This is Jesus saying to you, I want to be your hero. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are children of God, 
And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, because we're still in that wannabe stage. But it will not, it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, even though we're wanting to be. We shall know that when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. 1 John 4, 12 through 17. No one has ever seen God at any time. But you've seen the reflection of God. God so loved the world that he gave. And love gives. And it says this, If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us, listen, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every one of us. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Let me read that again. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Would you all just say with me, just in a conversational tone, Jesus, you're the Son of God. Now remember that whenever Caesarea Philippi, whenever Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, prophet. You know, some say you're one of those great heroes of the past. But he says, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And congregation, you got to believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He lived his life for 33 years. He was crucified. He was betrayed, crucified, and hung up for our hang-ups. And then he was. He gave up the ghost. And then he, he on the third day, he rose from the dead. On the third, and really on that, this is what we're talking about here: this, him raising from the dead, because we now have eternal life because he paid the price. Amen. Now, this is, this is really a good one right here. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, look at this. Because as he is, he's our hero, as he is, so are we in this present world. But how many of us believe that? How many of us can comprehend? How many of us can wrap our mind around that thought, that concept? As he is, so are we in this world. He is our hero. He is without sin. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know that I could ever be without sin. But he is, he is the penalty. He paid the penalty for your sin. So you can be. Once you sin, you forgive. Ask for forgiveness. He is your hero. He is your savior. He is your redeemer. He is your soon coming king. And he's the Lord of your life. And so put him. And this is why if we seek first the king, his kingdom. Every kingdom has got to have a king. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. Wow. You don't have to work for a lot of things. You just, you just, I want to be like Jesus. You just, you may have been a used to be, a washed up, has been, but you know what? You're also a going to be. You're going to be like him. As a matter of fact, it says love. Look at this. Love has been perfected among us in this, 
that number one, we'll have boldness in the day of judgment, but number two, as he is, wrap your mind around that. As he is, so are we in this present world.